I'm happy to have Dr. Debbie Bird with us today. Debbie is a doctor of ministry. She is the president of Basora Institute. Basora means good news. And Basora's vision and mission is to help increase the understanding among the body of Christ of their Jewish roots. So Debbie and I have known each other probably about five years or so. So in within this institute, Debbie invited me to be part of it. So I had started teaching. I've had more than a few classes at Basora, and they've always been great classes. And it's not because we're teaching it, but because, because of the people who get involved and the eagerness of their wanting to learn and understand. And Debbie and I have taught classes together. And a few classes, right? We've taught probably a handful of classes together. So we've taught stuff on Revelation. We've taught stuff about the Gospels. I mean, I can't even remember them all, but great classes. And uh, so thank you for being here. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to talk with me. Oh, thank you. I I enjoy uh, doing these things and especially talking with you. And I I think we're going to have a a good conversation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we get on the phone and we'll have an hour conversation. My husband, I get off the phone and he's like, who have you been talking to? I'm like, Debbie. So so we're pretty good talking back and forth about different things that we love and are interested in. One of the things that Debbie's pretty passionate about is just what I had mentioned, um, helping the body of Christ understand their Jewish roots. And she does that through the Institute, but also through a variety of different classes, right? You've had classes on the Jewishness of Jesus, which we said. Um, You've had classes on Mm -hmm. the feasts. And Jewish traditions and customs and rabbinic writings and yeah. Uh, I remember the one I, I did teach one on rabbinical writings and, and then you've had archaeology classes, correct? Yes. Yes. We have uh, quite a mixture of classes. We, well, we had three certificate programs and we, we have uh, 13 to 14 classes for each one, plus um, a final project or paper or internship, depending on this. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. And then I think you have one on anti-Semitism coming up as well in uh, the fall. Yeah. So, and we'll leave lots of information about that too, where where people can look you up and find Basora, especially the classes that you offer. Yeah, and we're really excited about this class on anti-Semitism because uh, it, it's uh a lot of people don't understand a lot of things that have gone on in, in history. And it's just a, a nice overview. We cover everything. We cover the history of it, the, the biblical references to it. We talk about replacement theology. We uh, talk about anti-Semitism today. We talk about forgiveness. It's, it's a positive class. And we, it's designed for people who are in Jewish ministry, either personally or maybe at their church. Uh, just to give them a nice background, when you're you share, as you know, when you're sharing the gospel with anybody, whether it's it's a Jewish person or somebody with a Muslim background or Hindu background or whatever, you really need to know, have some understanding. And unfortunately, you know, over the centuries, there's been a lot of uh, friction between uh, the Christian community and the Jewish community in different places, and not not always, but but it's it's important to know all those kind of things. So that when you're talking scripture um, with them, then they they can appreciate that you have some understanding of their background and where they've been. 
That's a great point. That's so important. And, and you and I have had conversations about how to present the gospel to a Jewish person, a Jewish non-believer. And, and it's important, like you said, it's really important to understand where they are coming from because the last mm-hmm. thing you want to do really is start throwing out the new Testament to them because they don't believe it anyway. So there's no point in starting with the new Testament. It's, it's more about starting with the old Testament. And so Right. That's kind of a challenge to some people to go back and start understanding the Old Testament and the Torah, mm-hmm. which is the law and the the well, we, we always correct people that it's the the teaching of God, but it's it's those first five books of the Bible. We, we've got to be very true about slicing the Bible in half because it's it's one book. And unfortunately, some churches have focused on just the New Testament. That's really not a good idea because it, it's it's a continuing story from the Garden of Eden to the, the Book of Revelation. It's it's one complete story, and of course, we know all through the Old Testament, there's all kind of prophecies about uh, Jesus, um, and then also theophanies and uh, different things that have happened that point foreshadowing. Uh, point to Christ and and if you understand that and you understand the Jewishness of Jesus then the New Testament really comes alive you know you're you're leaving so much out if you don't mm-hmm. pay attention to the Old Testament I understand people's enthusiasm they want people to be saved they want them to see them in heaven and that's wonderful but but give them more give them the whole story so that they can appreciate and savor it and really draw close to their savior it's not just about getting your ticket to heaven or getting your fire insurance or whatever it's about really growing in in your walk and seeing jesus in the 3d and maybe instead of the 2d that maybe you you've uh, grown up with that's a really good point um because i know in in my own life and in my own teaching, because before I, I came to Basora, I, I taught a lot of Bible studies. I taught, I had my own classes and, and all sorts of things. And, and I, I wrote my own Bible studies and whatnot, but there's so many resources out there that we can go to. But I think the most important thing is not just writing or teaching to give information, but to transform lives you know now i can't transform anybody's life jesus is the only one who but through what we teach and the way we present it and bringing it back to jesus bringing it back to scripture so that people can see it and read it for themselves and understand it which is Mm -hmm. most important and then relate it back to themselves and what they need then it becomes real and that is when transformation takes place. So yeah, I agree a lot with what you're saying there, because I think that putting the old and the new testaments together makes a complete picture of God mm-hmm. and who he is. And I've even heard people mm-hmm. say things like, well, when you get into the new Testament, you see a different God, you don't see an angry God. And, oh, that just like, Ooh, that gets to me because he's the same God who created this whole world, who, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, you can't even, I mean, who disciplined people, who punished people, who fought armies, you know, I mean, through, of course, through his 
own human people. He fought armies with them and protected them. And so he's the same God. The picture has always been everything in the Old Testament points to the Messiah. And I think you brought up a really good point as well. And I just wanted to expound on that a bit, but the type and shadows and some scriptures talk about types and shadows, especially in the New Testament, right. but in the Old Testament, we actually see the types and shadows of what's to come. So do you have any good examples of that right off the top of your head? Because I know we didn't really talk about this, but I know Moses is one. Aaron is another as a high priest. We see the high priest in Hebrews. So we we kind of mm-hmm. see Aaron talked about in exodus and made the high priest and then we see jesus in hebrews as the high well, priest joseph and uh what what he did for for the uh for his family uh we see boaz in the, uh, the book of ruth right salvation mm-hmm. he um, boaz has a relationship with the moabite i mean that was forbidden and uh marries her and you know that's a very beautiful picture of grace and love and forgiveness. It, it, yeah, it, Jesus disappears in so many places in the Old Testament. It's just wonderful. Yeah. You brought up Joseph because I don't think that people realize that when the Jewish people talk about their Messiah, of course, the Messiah they think is still coming, they call him Ben Joseph, which means the son of Joseph. Right. So he's a suffering Messiah. And then there's the... Mm-hmm. Ben David, which is the son of David, which is the kingly Messiah. So they they kind of believe in two messiahs in a sense. But we both the same guy. He just uh, it, at one point he comes as a suffering servant, and then when he when he's returned to earth, his second coming, he'll be coming as king. That's exactly right. Yeah, because we see him as one but at two different times in his life and in our life, actually. So yeah, good point. But um, it's just, it's really eye-opening when you start understanding those types and shadows and how they point to the Messiah that we know as Jesus. And, and, you know, there's a lot of writings that really point to Jesus as the Messiah. And uh, there was a, a book written uh, Shapir, I think it, uh, the, uh, return of the kosher pig. It's kind of a strange title, but it's wonderful. And, and he puts forth all kinds of rabbinic writings and, and shows connections with, with the scriptures and, and shows how Yeshua Jesus is the Messiah. So there's some good stuff out there right now. What was that book called again? Uh, the return of the kosher pig. Uh, Shapir, I can't uh, think of his first name right offhand. Well, with that title, I'm sure it'll yeah, be easy you. to find if people <laughs> want to read it. Yeah. <laughs> the Return of the Kosher Pig. Yeah. So, yeah, it sounds like a good book. So, those are some reasons to read the Old Testament, and and even though it may seem like maybe a bunch of war, an angry God, um, all these kinds of things. There's so much more to it when we see and look for the Messiah within its pages. Yeah, and and people who aren't real familiar with the Old Testament, if you're looking for Messiah in the Old Testament, I would suggest getting a really good commentary, perhaps something that was written by a Messianic rabbi or or a Messianic scholar, 
that will really put forth some of those uh, points for you so that that you can find them. Mm, That's a good idea. That's really good. I think Princess Iam has a commentary series that uh, goes where where, uh, Jesus is throughout the Old Testament. And maybe even the New Testament, that's something that uh, I've been interested in looking at a little closer. Okay, because I think there are a lot of good commentaries out there. And if you can get, if you can find them, and as as we think of them, we can share those. And But I, I think that the more we can understand, and I know there's books, and I you can probably just even do a Google search, to find books that show the Messiah in the Old Testament that would help. Yeah, on our website, we have a, a section, it's, it's in one of the drop downs, uh, helpful websites. And there's a number of places that you can go mm. and find a lot of really good resources. Okay, sounds great. And I'll leave that, I'll leave that uh, web, website address for people to go there and find some of those resources. So when we talk about the Jewishness of Jesus, can you explain a little bit about what that really means and why we, why it's important? Well, he was um, born into a Jewish family and he was taught all the Jewish traditions and everything that a young Jewish boy would learn. He was considered rabbi, so he taught in Jewish tradition. He used parables and um did a lot of things that, again, that people recognized as, as a Jewish uh, rabbi, what a Jewish rabbi would do. He wasn't married. You know, some people mistakenly think that, um, you know, the rabbis had to get married at a certain age. But uh, there's a lot of research out there saying, you know, of course, they, they didn't all have to. And some of them did not get married until like they did all their traveling. And and then when they got to a point where they felt that they, whatever they had to share with the community or or wherever they went, then they were able to settle down and get married. So uh, people who try to come up with these ideas that Jesus was married is, are sadly mistaken because they don't understand the culture at that time. He did not have to be married. But, but of course, then uh, he, when he was, uh, when he was in Jerusalem and arrested and, and accused to being the king of the Jews, which he was, and uh, he died a Jew and he, he rose as a Jew and he's going to come back as a Jew and uh, because he's king of the Jews. And, and uh, he was he's the king of the Jews, not be- because that makes one group of people any better. But but the Jewish people were chosen for a very special uh, mission in life. They were the first missionaries and they were supposed to bring everyone to the one true God. And one of the reasons why Yeshua came, Jesus came, is to get the the Jewish people back on track because they they had um, some of the Jewish leaders were they, they had added a lot to what they were taught, a lot of extra rules and things like that. And and, and Yeshua came back and you know he said you know I was sent to the Jew verses because he needed to get them back on track, get them back to their mission, and get them to see that you know you don't want to be compromising with the pagan world, and there are certain things you need to do, but let's not add things that it's so impossible that you can't keep the basic rules. Well, that's, that's good though. That's very true because I think that we misunderstand sometimes that Jesus came to get them on track. I think that's a really good way of putting it because they Mm -hmm. were getting off track. And like you said, um, part of Jesus interaction with the Pharisees were 
to correct them and to say, look, you're putting so many burdens on the people. They can't possibly do all of these things. And that's why they would get mad at him because he would pick wheat on Shabbat. He would heal on Shabbat. And he's, he's like, you're misunderstanding what Shabbat's about. So he came to kind of set them straight. And as we know, he, and we've discussed this on this podcast before, but he didn't come to destroy anything as far as the Jewishness of the people, the Jewishness of the law, the Jewishness of the Bible. He didn't come to destroy the Torah. He came to not only fulfill it, but to help us understand it. That was his goal. He wanted them to understand it better because they had created it to be a legalistic thing. You know, there were, there were things like, when do we light a candle? You know, when do we, um, you know, whatever it was like, they walk on on Shabbat. Uh, Yeah. He came to bring correct understanding to the Torah. Mm -hmm. And that's why he was a rabbi. So he could teach. And I I think people miss the point that all rabbis had disciples. They had people who followed them. And so Jesus was very normal as a Jewish person. He didn't stand out. And I even think about why Judas came and kissed him on the cheek, because even the high priest didn't know his face. It's not like today. You know, you can Google somebody, (laughs) you can look up what they look like, but they didn't, they, of course they didn't do that, but, but they didn't have the knowledge of what he looked like necessarily. So they, so here's Judas comes along and he says, yeah, I know him, you know, pay me, I'll turn him over to you. So now you can find him. I'll lead him right to you, so to speak. And he said, it's the one I kissed because now they would know what he looked like and they would know who he was. So I think we lose some of that in translation, as they say, lost in translation. So I think it's important when you understand those little, little nuances and why Judas had to kiss him and, and different things he did and were completely normal, I guess, in a sense, it was, it makes sense when you understand why, why it happened. Earlier, we were talking about Lois Tversberg, and she she writes some really good books on the Jewishness of Jesus, and and, and she was talking about, you know, we see things from the Western eyes, and if you don't understand the Eastern perspective, you're not going to get the full flavor of what's going on in the scriptures and why Jesus did what he did, and if you don't understand the feasts, and you don't understand... um, the different traditions that they had back then, you're going to miss some things, some really big nuggets. The, the Bible is written for everyone, but you're going to get so much more out of it when you understand it in its original context. Very, very good point. Thank you. I appreciate that because that is, that's just an awesome point to know. We're not pushing Jewish roots on you. It's a matter of helping people understand the Bible better so that it's not some book written by old dead mm-hmm. people. It's a book that is very relevant today and essential for helping us live godly lives that are set apart from the world because Jesus actually wants us to be set apart. We are not going to be necessarily the popular people in this world. Right. Because we're set apart 
and being set apart is to be made different. It's, it's actually, it's the, where we get the word to be made perfect um, as he's making us more and more perfect. And that word of course is more about complete, but it's, it all kind of goes together. We're set apart from the world to be made complete because at this point, when we come to him, we're not complete and we're not complete until we, we meet him face to face. And so this whole journey is to get to that point. And if you think about it, you know, the, the uh, Israelites were set apart so that they could become a holy nation. And, and, and that continues on into our, our Christian walk because we too, like you said, need to be set apart. We have to be different. If you're, if you're, uh, blend in too much how are people going to see god in you you're the light of the world the salt you know the salt and the city on the hill uh there's a reason for those sayings in the new testament we have to be different and the jewish people set the example of being set apart when my husband first came to jesus he was involved in lots of different things and most of what his mother didn't know about because it would have you know it would have made her very unhappy. So he was in his twenties already. He moved out and he thought that basically um, he had a, it's not my experience to tell, but he had a really, really cool experience in how the Lord uh, spoke to him and how the Lord basically drew him to himself. And he was in another state. So, and I actually, actually describe a little bit of this in in my own bible study but um he got on the plane to fly home and he just started crying because he's like my world has come to an end <laughs> i am going to be the least popular person i'm mm-hmm. going to lose all my friends i am going to do this 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 and and he was lamenting a bit about what he, the decision he had made even though he wasn't doubting it he knew that it was going to be a very drastic change Mm -hmm. in his life and that he wasn't going to be popular anymore because he was Mm -hmm. pretty popular in the, in his circles and the partying and the, the girls, you know, some of the, the people he ran around with. And, and so it was a, it was a big deal where for me, I brought, I was brought up in the church. So, so I learned very young and very early how to live and uh, at least according to what the church said, but even that was a learning experience because I had to make this faith that was my parents. I had to make it my own. And I think we all go through Mm -hmm. that journey. It has to become mine. And then I had to start learning and living out what I was learning. Mm -hmm. And most of what I was Mm -hmm. learning was not only through a mentor that God gave Mm -hmm. me, but through scripture that she taught me in that process. And we really haven't ever talked about this, but mentoring is such a good idea. It's such, it's biblical. It's, it's actually even part of the great commission because not only are we to Mm -hmm. share the gospel with people, but we are to make disciples, which involves mentoring you don't just say okay well now you're saved have a good life yes it's about teaching them what the bible says and i really think that probably what it's what you're doing you are seeking to make disciples 
through this school, through this institute right. that you, right. the Sora, I should say, that not only do you want to train and educate mm-hmm. people, but you, you want to show them the fullness of Jesus in both his Jewish background and who he is to come, which is all related, but it's, mm-hmm. it's discipling. Mm-hmm. And, and also preparing people on how to disciple disciple the new Jewish believers, uh, you know, if you don't have a background, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can sc- scare them away pretty anybody. If you don't, un- if they don't uh, f- have a way to connect with you, then they're not going to, you know, they're going to feel like they're, they're giving up something. And, you know, we all give up something, but you, there's certain things you don't have to give up. And just having that background as uh, Gentile believers when they come into our sanctuaries, when they come into our fellowships and being able to say, Hey, I understand the feast. Why don't we celebrate that? And, you know, and, and then, and then maybe they'll say, okay, you know, and I'd like to try Christmas or something and, and, and get it work together and try to form this bond uh, of understanding and uh, just, just knowing what the scriptures are saying. And it, and it means, I think, your walk will become so much more meaningful, of course, when you understood the life that Jesus lived and, and why he, certain things were expected of the Jewish people. There's a, a man that you introduced me to, Sam Adler, and, and he's actually going to be on this podcast as well. But he actually talks about the feast because as a Christian, we might look at those feasts as being very legalistic. He shared with me that they're not only a way to worship, but they're a way to witness. And I'd never seen them quite like that before, but they're a witness of who the Messiah is. A Gentile believer in Jesus to learn about the feast helps us understand who the Messiah is and what he came Mm -hmm. to do and what he's already done. And when we, like you said, um, when we can go to the Jewish people and with that understanding and then help open their eyes to the Messiah in these feasts, man, is that a great witness? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of talking points, you know, just mm-hmm. like um, Isaiah 53 uh, that has won a lot of people to the Lord. They, when they understand uh, all the implications and, and who they're really talking about. So you yeah, compare that with the New Testament. And of course, Jesus celebrated the feast too. And and, and uh, we need to point that out to our Gentile right. friends, you know. So if he did that, they were important. So why shouldn't we? We should at least know about them. Uh, whether you you um, take them on as practicing, practicing them yearly, you really need to understand the essence of them and, and what they stand for and, and uh, why they're important. Yeah. And you brought up Isaiah 53 and I don't think most people realize because I certainly didn't, but in a rabbi context, and I'm talking about the Orthodox, um, most Jewish people who are Orthodox as well, do not even know what Isaiah 53 means or do they feel capable of reading it and understanding it? Because that's what they're taught. They're like, the rabbis sometimes will be like, you let us worry about those verses. You let us explain mm-hmm. how Israel is this lamb 
you know, not the Messiah. Israel is the lamb. Israel will be killed. You know, it will be the sacrificial lamb and, and how even that deception there, you know, and in understanding that and really understanding it to the point that you can explain it to an Orthodox Jew or, or any Jew for that matter will open their eyes. And there's actually even a um, website called Isaiah53.com, I believe. I I was just going to say, I had the book. I I think that's part of chosen people and it's, it's an excellent book. If I, I would encourage Gentile believers to read it and then share it with, discuss it with, with a gen, with a uh, Jewish person. Mm -hmm. And, and of course, um, you've got to ask the Holy Spirit to open the doors for you to do that, too. I think some people, they, they, they mean well, but they want to get on their horse and start writing. And, and that's not a good thing. You, you'd want to be led by the Spirit. And you start by making friends and, and having maybe theological discussions and, you know, just move forward as the Spirit leads you. And eventually the doors were open. That's a- but it, it takes time. It takes time and patience, but that book is, is exceptional. That would be a good one. That's a very good point. And what, what's the title of the book again? I I think it's just, I I was just looking over my bookcase. I got so many books. I think it's Isaiah 53, but if you go on the Isaiah 53 website, or if you go on chosen people, I believe it, what used to be posted on, it could be still posted there as well. Okay. So it's on the website or something. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I think that understanding a little more about the Orthodox and even the Messianic Jews and how, you know, the Messianic Jews are under persecution. Um, even within Israel, they are persecuted when they're found out, um, and talk about having to hide your identity in your own country you know, because it's looked down upon and the Jews don't consider them Jews. And then the Christians don't quite consider them Christians sometimes. So they're kind of like in this awkward place between Judaism and Christianity that they don't know how to get out of. And that's why the, the Messianic movement is really growing because in a Messianic synagogue, you can still uh, hold fast to a lot of your your background, and uh, but of course you have to see it from a messianic or, or a Christian perspective. Um, but yeah, a lot of them. That's why a lot of them do head for the messianic synagogues because they get both of uh, both the good of the worlds. Yeah. Vesora mm-hmm. then has different teachers, some being messianic rabbis. Um, messianic teachers, and even somebody like me, who's not messianic at all. But you have different people coming in to give perspective on how the how their faith in Jesus affects them, but also how it can affect me or you or anybody who's listening. And I think it's, it's been a great resource because you, you have a wide variety of people who teach, you have authors. And like I said, you have rabbis, some Orthodox, some, I mean, I think Mm -hmm. that, I don't know. I mean, I've even in, in a church I went to, we actually had Orthodox Jews at at different times come in and just talk. And of course they were kind of um, a little more 
you know, they, they wouldn't do any of the worship we did. They would kind of stay out in the hallway and whatnot. Um, but it wasn't to offend them. It was just to invite them to speak to us. And, and I think that's what your goal has been is to have a wide variety of people teach and speak. You've had webinars where, and most of these things are free. I mean, you can go in on webinars and just watch for free. You can, the classes, of course, have some cost to them, but we even have a conference coming up that is totally free with, I think you asked for donations. We're really excited about it. It's the biggest project that, that we have done so far. And we've got seven people who are going to be speaking that day. We have uh, Rabbi Jeff Adler from Shabra Yeshua, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Barry K. Seif, who's uh, Dr. Jeffrey Seif's uh, uh, wife, Rabbi Darrell Weinberg from Aled to the Nations Messianic Ministry. We have you. We have Dr. Phil uh, Roddy, uh, one in Messiah. Jeff Roberts, Voice of the Shepherd, it's a musical Messianic music group. And then Dan David, a violinist, Messianic uh, violinist. And we're, we're just praying for a lot of people to watch. Right now in this time of history, I think the church is really starting to wake up. We're seeing some reformation. We're seeing people. Um, I, I think with all things that have been happening, it's really made the choice. The church think twice about, you know, where we've been headed and uh, the things that we allowed you know the different pockets that have done maybe have been a little more the remnant but of course we have a lot of disconnect with, with maybe the denominations not cooperating i think i don't i believe that there is great revival coming i believe that yeshua will refrain from coming until the church is where it needs to be i think that we need he needs to have a bride that is spotless and so when we we as a church can get together and get it right, then he's going to return. And of course, we're going to be bringing in a lot of people into the fold. So the the conference is to get people excited about being the church again, and and raising raising to higher levels than we were than we have been, and connecting better, and really being the body and and uh, appreciating the different parts that we have and how everybody is valuable. Yes, that's good. And emphasizing the connection between the Jew and Gentile believers and, and our place in the uh, Commonwealth of Israel and just dispel, maybe dispelling some uh, myths and just educating people, encouraging people in their walk and bringing them together as one. Right. And it's good. I mean, I think that your point about connecting the Jew and the Gentile, you know, that is so needed so that there's understanding and there's a, uh, you know, Jesus is that bridge. He came to be that bridge, but sometimes, and he came to be the bridge between the Jew and the Gentile, but sometimes we need to bridge Judaism and Christianity because there's a whole nother opportunity to put a bridge there you know so so that's important and i think that um with this conference that it's a great opportunity for people to see the messianic teaching to hear it and to see how you know what's all involved in their i don't want to say lifestyle but in, in their faith 
and how we can be challenged by the way that they see the Bible, read the Bible, explain the Bible. You know, there's a lot of teachability. (laughs) That's probably not even a word, but there's a lot of teaching opportunity and learning opportunity to take place in a conference like this. And it's a one day Mm -hmm. conference. So it's not like it's a, a, an all day thing. And I mean, it is an all day. It's not a whole weekend thing or several days, but, um, no travel, no travel. That's right. So you don't have to go out of state. And uh, actually some of these men and women are coming from different States. So they'll be on and they are in their own area. Two from Canada. We'll be airing through Lamb Network TV. Okay. And they have been great. We've been, they've been doing our webinars for us. Uh, we have That's a really true. good uh, partnership with them. And it just really, they're, they're a great group of people to work with. We just mm-hmm. really enjoy them. So uh, I think it's going to be wonderful. It, it is free. Like you said, we, we are uh, asking for donations. Um, we are asking people to register too, so that we know, who they are, we like to connect with with uh, everyone, and there'll be some special offers after the um, conference that we that we can offer to people who have registered because we we'll want to know how to connect with them, and then we'll we'll give them updates and let them know about future conferences. And this is one I think I, we're hoping of many. We would like to have a face to face conference at some point, uh, probably here in the Cleveland area. So uh, lots. One step at a time, but I think this is a springboard for something bigger. Excellent, because I think it's a great opportunity for anybody who's interested in learning more about um, our Jewish roots. So, um, and one of the things you brought up, which is probably a whole nother uh, broadcast, we could just make, there's lots of these topics that we could just like take that one verse or that one topic and make it a whole nother episode. but you hit on um, just even the return of Jesus. Of course, if you're a believer in Jesus, whether you're Messianic or Gentile, um, you believe he's returning. One of the things I've been challenged by is how different the Messianic believers see this end of times revelation. And it's been challenging, but it's been good. And I, I think that one man I spoke to, Sam Nadler, uh, talked about how it's it's when the number, I don't think he used the word number, when the Jews come to <laughs> Jesus and the Jews start coming and returning to their Messiah. Um, and then this actually is a, is a turning point, so to speak, and a, and a, trigger, if you will, for the Messiah to return Mm -hmm. as his people, as, as his chosen people return to him. And we look at it as, you know, kind of like, it's all about the church, but it's, it's really about the church bringing in the Jewish people to the, their Messiah that they have been deceived in not believing in. So as we witness as we witness to them and bring them into the kingdom, then that actually ushers in the return of Jesus. And I don't think that that is explained enough to the church. A lot of people don't realize that they have an irrevocable 
calling. In, in other words, they, they were called as to be the first missionaries. And God wants them to be back in that position again. And in order to do that, they really have to know Messiah. And, and once they come in and it's, it's, you know, it's interesting. We, how, what history does, you know, that you start at one point, maybe uh, things go a different direction, but that it, it's that turnaround again. And here they are coming back in to where they need to be so that they can complete what they were called to do in the first place. And we do see a lot of Jews coming to know their Messiah. I mean, we may not see it as big, maybe in numbers of we might expect in a revival, but we certainly do see it because we also are, if, if you're listening and if you look in the right places, you're also seeing the persecution and where there's persecution, there are people coming to know Jesus. So, because that doesn't happen without some fight from the enemy. So Satan is not going to allow that to happen without a fight. And, and I, I just think that it's just the coolest thing. And there's so many good books and good authors out there. And I just want to throw this one out because it was a book I used in conjunction with some other books to teach a class, but it was called the rabbi, the secret message and the identity of the Messiah by Carl Gallup's. And he's going to be on my podcast soon, but he wrote such an excellent book about this rabbi who in his very, very old age had come to know the Messiah. He had a vision. Jesus came to him in his sleep and in the middle of the night and taught and said, Mm -hmm. I am the Messiah that you have been looking for. And I won't give the whole book away, but, but some of the things that he shares Mm -hmm. in that book are so eye-opening and about the people who are coming because of this rabbi and his death and the message he left and, and the controversy around all of that people are getting, are hearing the gospel and, and it's, it's a beautiful thing, but it's not without trouble. It's not without persecution but it's going on. These things have been going on in Israel. And I encourage you to look up Carl Gallup's and he's got some great books out there, but, and we'll talk about more about him, but, but I first used that book in one of my Basura classes and my students loved it actually. So they were reading ahead of the schedule because they loved it so much. They enjoyed the book. And so they were just kind of jumping ahead and, and I had one student and she goes, Stephanie, I've already finished that book. <laughs> so I go, good. We have been blessed with, with some wonderful students and they, and they are hungry. They're all, all the ones that we have uh, had in our classes. They, they just gobble up everything that you can give them then they want more. So we're, we're always challenged to make sure that we can get them all the resources that, that they're looking for. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate all your time and your wisdom and um, all the stuff that you have to share. And I, I do want to encourage people to check out Basora. I want you to check out this conference that we're having November 13th. I think it'll be a great resource, a free resource to learn more. And you'll actually get to see some of the people that will be on this broadcast as well in this podcast, different episodes. So thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for good conversation. Thank you very much. And I look forward to uh, talking to you again. Looking forward to it. God bless. Thank you. Shalom.